Hi everyone, welcome back to the Pretty Young and Motivated podcast. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Caitlin to discuss politics. How fun, right? Probably a topic nobody wants to talk about in this climate. So much is changing, um, but it is super important for us to have these conversations and do so in a civil manner. So we'll be honest, Caitlin and I are probably a little biased one way, which you'll probably pick up in the episode. Um, But whether you're Republican, Democrat, moderate, uh, definitely listen in and, you know, feel free to give us feedback and your opinions. So, yeah, thanks for listening and let's get to the episode. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. What about you, Alyssa? I'm doing well, Caitlin. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so sweet of you to think of me. I felt so touched and honored. Yeah, so I'm super excited to have Caitlin on because I feel like we always have conversations or good conversation about politics and just like social justice. And I feel like she's always teaching me something new. And I have conversations about like, or ask her questions about when you're having difficult conversations about politics and how to support your views. Um, And yeah, I just always think she has good responses. And I'm like, can I just put you in my pocket and like take you (laughs) along in all my conversations? Um, So I thought it would be fun to have her on the podcast to share some of her insight and just have a conversation that I'm sure everybody's having right now about politics. So before we get into it, do you want to say a little bit about yourself and who you are? Uh, Sure. So my name is Caitlin, uh, and I went to Michigan State University. I currently work at Head Start in Battle Creek. I'm a mental health and disability specialist. So a lot of my political views, I think, are centered uh, kind of around my career path and my education. That's a little bit about me. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to get started, how do you feel like growing up like what influenced your political views now, if anything, or like, what did you, maybe you were different, like growing up, you believed one thing um, and now it's different. So just talk a little bit about your influences growing up and maybe how you are influenced now. Yeah, um, definitely. So I grew up in a really conservative area and I grew up in a Catholic family. So we have those pieces on those sides, right? Very kind of Republican leaning, uh, But actually, my mother was a very educated woman. She has a master's degree and she was a single mom. And she was always a little bit more uh, liberal leaning. So we kind of had both sides as far as when I was growing up. Uh, She didn't influence us too much in our political opinions. She always wanted us to kind of develop them on our own. So I feel like the outside influences of being in a conservative area were more influential than her personal viewpoints. I, I have this really uh, particular memory of when I was first learning about politics. I think I would have been um, in fifth grade and it would have been Bush's uh, like second term or his reelection. And we were learning about the whole process in school. And I went home and asked my mom who she was voting for. And she kind of just wanted me to, um, to develop my own opinion and not share hers. And then I went to a friend's house and another parent did not feel the same way. And I had this really particular or really vivid memory of her saying, um, the other parent saying, uh, well, Democrats kill babies. And, you know, for a 10-year-old, that was so scary at the time. And so I remember in that moment saying, okay, well, then I'm a Republican. That's where I stand. And that's where I am. And then from every moment there on, every time I gained new information, gained new experiences and more education, I continued to lean more and more to the left. And I think that's kind of the lesson that I've learned is that the more that you know and the more information that you're exposed to and offered and seek out, uh, the more kind of uh, for social justice you tend to be, or at least that's what I find in my um, personal experiences. Definitely. And I can relate to that a little bit, at least growing up. I think I was, you know, more so uh, my mom was in a relationship and that was, I think he was more Republican and that like swayed some of her views that way as well. 
but my mom has always like supported like you know vote for who you want to vote for like it's not anybody's business necessarily like you that's like a right of being an American is that you get to vote right um so that's good but the similar thing of like growing up in a small town like conservative area um I think you know there was not a lot of diversity if any diversity (laughs) in my in my high school um and when there was it like I wouldn't say it was like necessarily judged, but it was, it was just different for the, for there to be any sort of diversity. Like it was cool if we even got a foreign exchange student. And I remember growing up, I always tried to like, I would gravitate towards those people and be like asking them a million questions and like trying to learn about them. And yeah, I know like my experience going abroad and then moving into college, I definitely started to develop like my own views outside of like small town and like, right. Yeah. So yeah, you're so in- interesting how they can, you're so inquisitive and curious. And so I could see you always like searching for new information. Yeah. And, and even now, as I'm like, I wanted to just have this conversation because I probably am beginning to lean more democratic than I thought. Like I always have said either I'm in the middle or like I said, growing up, my, like my mom typically falls Republican or the people around me, a lot of my family is more Republican and you know it's okay even though I have friends that are Republican but I've always just kind of been like oh I'm in the middle like I don't want to pick a side or like right. there's differences in both or there's these things but even just through having conversations with you and even in this election like not to be privileged in saying that I've like ignored it sometimes but this one especially I like I'm very much more aware of things and I'm trying to do my research and, yeah. and learn um and so that's like having these conversations have helped me do that. And I think it's so important, whether you're young and growing up to ask questions, but even like more so now, like not to just be okay with, you know, even if you are going to be more Republican or you're going to be more Democratic, I think it's good to ask questions and not always be so set in your ways to think that there's no other way of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, like I said, my mom didn't influence me too much, but currently right now, every single one of my siblings, I'm one of six, uh, are all very, um, very Democrat, very liberal. And, you know, the joke that no one at my Thanksgiving table is going to be voting for Trump. And so when I have those conversations with my family, they're a little bit easier, I would say, than um, maybe some other families are currently having right now. Um, And I think I joked with you the other day that I think people who grew up in really, really conservative homes that are now liberal and now voting for Biden, like that's the biggest flex to me. Like that is really impressive. That is growth right there. Yeah. Cause I feel like even just changing your, your opinions like that takes one, a lot of like educating yourself and strength of like, just through be like, okay, I'm going to make my own opinions or I'm going to set out to learn more and realize that there's not only one way of thinking, even if that's how we're always raised. And I feel like sometimes that's, you know, people fall into on both sides. They just kind of do what they were told to do. But it's like, that's is a freedom. And I will be like, oh, like the thing of being an American is we do have a choice. And like, there is so much opportunity for us to educate ourselves. Like, we should not just be reading what is on social media or yeah, Twitter. absolutely. <laughs> so kind of on that topic, Do you feel like, and this is probably going to like be controversial or like some people listening might, you know, relate to this or feel defensive about it, but I know this is conversations I've had and it's difficult to have a conclusion to it. And maybe you don't, we can just talk through it, but do you feel like uh, people can agree to disagree when it comes, comes to Trump versus Biden or even just like Republican versus Democrat, let's just say. Oh, that's a great question. So yes. And no, (laughs) Uh, I think, (laughs) yes, we can definitely agree to disagree on Democrat versus Republican. I'd like to do that all day long. Like, let's talk about economics. Let's talk about trickle down. Like, let's let's do that. Let's have a conversation about that. And let's agree to disagree because those are political views. However, Mm -hmm. I do think Trump versus Biden is different than saying Republican versus Democrat. Because I don't think Trump is an accurate representation of Republicans. Uh, I mean, I'm not a Republican, so I can't speak for them, but I I hope he's not. I think that there's a lot of more respectable um, politicians uh, that could represent the party better. But 
the problem is they have chosen Trump. You know, that's who's run or that's who's running or is the president now and rerunning. So it's a different conversation. Uh, you yeah. know, Trump has been for white supremacy. You know, he, we just saw him not shoot that down. The whole stand back and stand by. Uh, he has increased violence. He seems to denounce Black Lives Matter. There's all these kind of pieces. He's very sexist, you know, uh, excuse my language, but the whole grab him by the pussy um, right before he was elected. And the fact that I have to say, excuse my language before I quote the president is really, really sad. And so those pieces makes it different for me. So it's not Republican versus Democrat. It's it's about um, what's right and moral issues, who's just a decent human being at this point, you know, and yeah. we can't agree to disagree on human rights. I can't agree to disagree with you if Black Lives Matter, because they just do. I can't agree to disagree with you on LGBTQ rights and um, women's rights. I just can't. Um, however, I do recognize that we have to come in from a place of empathy you know, not everyone is as privileged as I have gotten to be with when it comes to education or um, you as well, Alyssa. You know, I think that uh, that's something that we've seeked out. But at the same time, we I always had access to education. And so mm -hmm. I am privileged in that fact. And some people don't have information delivered to them in the same way. You know, if you're only ever watching Fox News, and that has been uh, the news outlet that you've trusted and you've grown up with and you have no reason to distrust it. And it is your only form of information. Then you aren't going to necessarily see Trump as the villain that he is in my eyes or to other people. Yeah. And, and I think that's the same, too, like even with your social media channels, because if your whole family's conservative, let's say, or, or Democrat, you know, it can go either way, or they support Trump or Biden, like whatever the situation is, they're sharing on their social feeds. And as much as we want to be like, oh, like social media doesn't influence me, like, yeah, it absolutely does. So if your your social channels or yours, even your social circles outside of that are supporting those views, it's going to be really hard to, as you said, it's like a real flex if someone can come out of a family that's one way and they change their mind because that takes a lot more like self-work and like looking into it and actually educating yourselves, as we've said. Absolutely. So it's definitely, you're definitely influenced socially, whether it's social media or just your circles. Yeah, what do they call that? Um, exposure ther uh, theory, where it's, you know, the more right mm -hmm. um, conservative information that you're given, the more you're going to lean to the right and the same um, the other way. And so, yeah, if your outlets are all conservative, you're going to continue to lean more conservative and your outlets are all liberal. And so I think it's important to look at both sides. And then when we have those really important conversations like we're having right now, um, it's important to have an open dialogue about that and be open to the, the other perspective so that education can be presented. And, uh, you know, people make mistakes or people don't start off knowing all the info. I'm continuously... Um, you know, making mistakes and learning. I'll probably make some in this conversation that we're having right now. But then when new information is presented to me, I will learn from that and I will grow from that. And I think that's kind of key is, you yeah. know, accepting responsibility and accepting new information. Yeah. And I think it's important, like, I don't know, just learning the new information thing too, like not to be defensive. I feel like in this climate, well, especially with everything that's at stake, it is a very sensitive election um, for good reason, but we really need to step back and look at America as America, yeah, absolutely. not as this like celebrity, like right. of like, oh, like we need to have these flags for this president or we need to be like doing this. Like it is important to advocate for whatever candidate you're behind. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like we've almost, it's embarrassing to be American right now, <laughs> yeah. no matter who you're supporting. <laughs> Just because I'm not saying that to no, be disgraceful yeah. towards anyone, but it's like we need to focus on like actually America. And I feel like so much, even on both sides of, of the debates or everything, it's like attacking the candidate or attacking the candidate's 
family. And it's like, can we focus the on issues? like, what yeah. the hell are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Going for each other's kids is an absolute low blow, um, particularly like Biden's yeah. son's substance abuse disorder. And uh, but yeah, I think you bring up a good point that our country has gone down a certain road that I think if Trump is reelected, I don't know if there's necessarily returning from that path in, um, in another four years. But I think we do like yeah. right now we're at a fork in the road. So if we go with Biden, I think that there's an option to bring the country together. Like that is his goals. Uh, where I actually fault Biden is where I personally find that he's very moderate. Uh, but I think that will help us bring the parties together. You know, we're so bipartisan. There's so much right now that's, you know, Mitch McConnell versus Nancy Pelosi, and we're going to hold at a, you know, a stalemate. And that does, that just ends up hurting the American people. Yeah. And I think with anything, it's good to have diversity. So even when in our Congress, to an extent, it's good to have different viewpoints and have moderates, you know, slash independents, whatever, as well as Democrats and Republicans within means, I know things have to get passed. So there usually has to be a, a scale, right. but I just think it should be more coverage, even on our election day. We shouldn't only know about two candidates. I think there's other, there is other parties mm-hmm. that are out there. Um, and I think it's important to know more than just Democrat versus Republican. And I think I always like wonder, because I feel like growing up, I, you know, or even just maybe it was in school, we learned about libertarians. We learned about right. Green Party, the Tea Party. And I thought that was always going to be a thing. And then it's always just been Democrat versus Republican. And you don't hear about anything unless, once again, you do your own research. But those candidates never have enough to win. But I guess my point being is I do, I do think it's important to to have conversations. But this election is, I like, want to be unbiased in saying this. But I've obviously been <laughs> yeah. aside here. But I, I, I feel like what I like to call it, I made up this term, maybe it's already been used. But the issue that I'm seeing is toxic individualism is what I like to call it. Because as much as any of the next person, like I want to have my rights. I want to, I'm a, I'm a female. Of course right. I want to have my rights. I want to, you know, make choices for myself. I want to start a business. I want to have kids when I want to have kids, you know, all of those things. Like I want those freedoms. I want, you know, less government realistically in some senses. But at what point did we lose like sight of like caring about our neighbor? Like we say that that is a thing and we, we want, or maybe I should say like Republicans or more specifically Trump supporters, some Trump supporters, I don't want to generalize, whatever, but like say that they, you know, they want to support the like hardworking person or the hardworking American or whatever. But it's like, aren't you doing that? Like, I don't know. I just call it toxic individualism because I feel like we're getting to this point where it's not patriotism by any means. It's like, nationalistic or nationalism where we're just closing off our walls even to like our friends and family in a sense where we're like I only care about myself and that's what I've been seeing through everything of just like media and politics and where it's going and it's like when do we stop caring about each other because realistically I think at the end of the day if everybody's better off our economy's better off I'm better off you know like it helps everyone when everybody's in a better situation that's just like science right math. yeah I don't absolutely. know it makes sense if you yeah think about um it. there's this term in kind of the mental health field that it's uh community care is self-care when you take care of everybody you're taking care of yourself and I think that that is so important and you're right we have kind of lost uh you know that that viewpoint I think conservatism or is rooted in this idea of taking care of the neighbor that is right next to you. So the person that is in your small town Mm -hmm. and that your government should be at the state level or at the level that's right there where you are. And then they, they do, they forget about the whole country, you know, as a whole, you know, the electoral college really limits uh, everybody's viewpoint and everybody's voices being heard. You know, you talk about these multiple mm-hmm. uh, or th- that we're a two party system, but that we should have multiple parties that we do, but they're never represented. And, you know, I think it's interesting of these ideas to kind of help and change that. Uh, there's one state right now that's doing ranked voting 
I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it's Maine. Um, I could probably look it up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, where you vote for the person that you actually want. So if that be uh, the Green Party, and then you would vote Biden second. And so if your your top person doesn't get in, then you you technically voted for Biden. So you're not hurting the system if you vote third party, as long as you continue to have Democrats secondly. But in other other countries yeah. do that as well, don't they? Do, uh, I know New you know. Zealand, yeah. right, does. I don't know about more. But, you know, all other countries have, like, multiple party systems. The, the two-party mm-hmm. system does really only allow for two voices to be heard. And there's so much variation between uh, or within each party. And I think that we would see a, a lot more get done and a lot more feel heard and a lot more people want to be politically engaged if there were more options. You know, you talk about diversity. Uh, there's not a lot of people of color that are um, in Congress or in the Senate, you know, and yeah. uh, Nevada is like the only state where um, 50% of their um, politicians are women. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many states like that's just that, yeah. that's so upsetting to me, you know. Right. And then like, how much are the the Congress women getting right. shit on? <laughs> like, AOC and and like whatever Trump called her plus three yeah, the, like the that poor squad. girl gang is like constantly targeted but yeah no definitely there needs to be di- more diversity in, right. in all ways well, like, there's so much sexism like I, in that system hey, yeah go on yeah. sorry I, I was gonna say like yeah no, I was gonna go off of that and say like I I hate to say like oh like there really shouldn't be white <laughs> men making decisions about my body but like is that really that like controversial to say yeah oh my god last <laughs> I don't time feel like i heard it should that be. the the, uh, the health board or the health committee was like all men <laughs> i need to check up on that but it's that like, was incredibly frustrating right. it was like how are you going to talk about women's health um and there's so many women's health issues like obviously abortion comes at the forefront but you know women and particularly women of color are are dying at disproportionately higher rates because the healthcare system is so sexist and so racist. And these issues, uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg was the only politician that I remember talking about that in the primaries, talking about actual women's health in a more holistic manner. And these are issues that are really Mm -hmm. important and they're just not coming up because you don't have the the right kind of representation. Yeah, and I hate to use a TikTok (laughs) as a reference, but I... Yeah, hopefully we can back it up with facts. But it was talking about how there's like, I think over 400 laws about women's bodies, and zero about men. And maybe that number's wrong. Maybe it's like a little bit skewed or off or not totally true. But I thought about it It was like, is there laws about men having to have a like, it's illegal to get a vasectomy? Is there like, I right, maybe I'm wrong. So I guess people let us know. But I'm just like, no, like, that's completely true and that like there's more laws about women's bodies and this is where like I've had the conversation with you sometimes but I do believe in somewhat of a smaller government but I think we need to protect certain communities but I sometimes like things like abortion I guess I'm pro-choice but I feel like that shouldn't be a consideration right. of the government like white men in a in Washington DC should not be making that decision for me or my employer should not be making that decision for me. Like that's private between me, myself and I, or me and my partner or like whatever, if I ever have to come to that decision for whatever reason, but it's like, that shouldn't be even in the government in my opinion. Or like I say things like even marriage in general, but when it comes to like gay marriage or LGBTQ, like why are you so concerned about who's marrying who? Like, as long as like, I'm sure like, like pedophilia, that's off, not allowed. Totally okay to like regulate that. But like, if a man wants to marry a man, if a woman wants whoever, why are once again old white men discussing that? Like, I just feel like it's not their business. But I know in the current climate, we have to have like, I'm not trying to say that to be privileged. I just feel like we have to, you know, I know right now those communities need to be supported. Um, and, and that's why we have to have those conversations they should be focusing on things like policy and climate right. change 
and not trying to micromanage everybody's lives, like who everybody's they're marrying. Bodies. And- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I actually 100% agree. And, you know, th- that sort of idea of that big government shouldn't be involved is a more right-leaning um, ideal. Uh, and it's interesting that I always seem to feel like it's conservatives that are fighting for all these really intense laws on women's bodies and uh, other sort of, you know, marriage laws and all these kind of pieces that should just be not a government issue. You know, I really do not like Tommy Lauren at all. I think that her viewpoints are uh, the complete opposite of mine. But there at one point, she did share that she is pro-choice because she is so anti-big government and she doesn't think that the government should be a part of your bodies um, or women's bodies in general. And, you know, I think that's really respectable when a Republican can say that, you know, sometimes I feel like the party can be so hypocritical. And so it was nice to see, you know, that viewpoint, you know, you're right that there aren't laws on men's bodies. You know, a man can go get a vasectomy anytime he wants. He doesn't need to consult his wife or his partner. Uh, however, a woman, it takes years to get that sort of uh, procedure done. And you would have to have your husband sign off on it. Like you were some sort of property or like a child that your parent was signing away. <laughs> like those yeah. things are ridiculous. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the government does have to get involved. But I think the reason why or the intent, or I'd like to think, is the protection piece that you mentioned, that those communities are marginalized, they're at risk. And so we need to protect them as a part of basic human rights. And that's why I'm like, I don't want to discredit them by being like, oh, why can't we just do it this way? Because I know in our current situation, that's just not realistic. But I guess coming back to, I think the start of the question and where we got to is like, can people agree to disagree? And you know, looking at, you know, you said Tommy Lauren stood up and said that she's pro-choice. I think it's important to have differences in views. Like you shouldn't just be Republican and be like all one way, like consider what you actually believe and stand in that. So you could say, you know, I fall more Republican, but I support this, or I fall more Democrat, but I support gun laws or, you know, right. whatever the opposite people fall into. That's a spectrum. Um, but when it comes down to marginalized communities and human rights, it just really shouldn't be. I think the one thing I was thinking of earlier is if you're voting for someone who has either not stood up for those communities or not condemned white supremacy, <laughs> right? Um, like you are like complacent, complacent. Yeah. yeah, I was like, it lost, lost it for a second. Right. But yeah, That's you're complacent. Your so you're saying that like those things don't affect your life or they don't aren't a concern to you. So you're fine with voting that. And I think that's where the issue comes in. And I heard someone else say that. And I was like, that's so true. Because it's like, everyone's like, I'm not a racist on that side when you're saying, oh, like, if you support Trump, you're a racist. And people are like, no, I'm not. And you know, you're probably most of the people probably aren't racist. Right. But if you're complacent in supporting someone who is, or who has made those comments or has um, oppressed those communities or suppressed those communities, I don't know if that was the right word. Um, you are allowing it to continue. And that's almost even worse because you know that. Right. And you're refusing to like admit that and be like, you know what, I'm going to change my mind, even though I'm Republican, but I need to do what's best for humanity. You're choosing law and order or (laughs) I don't even know, like (laughs) patriotism, America. But it's like, are you really choosing America? Because isn't America supposed to be the melting pot? Exactly. And yeah, you know, you make such a good point that, yeah, maybe you're not a racist, but yeah, you're complacent in uh, a systematic um, racist system, you know, and it's so sad to me that some people still don't acknowledge that that is a real thing. People think that racism was years and years ago, you know, we look at the civil rights movement was really not that long ago. Uh, The pictures are in black and white, but that's more so that we think that they're outdated, you know, that it happened in my mom's lifetime. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, this is a, re- and you look at all the protests that happened over the summer because of real issues, you know, police brutality uh, happens every single day. People experience racism every single day. It is absolutely a real issue. Yeah. And so I want to play devil's advocate a sure. little bit, just because this is where I've gotten some questions or people have asked me that are more Republican or like Trump supporters. So with that, like even the um, police brutality and, and the riots or I'm going to say peaceful protests for Alyssa personally, mm-hmm. but the riots and the looting and all of that. Why are they doing that? Why is that okay? Like, aren't you mad that they're destroying businesses? They destroyed black owned businesses. How is that beneficial? Yeah. I, I feel like you just quoted somebody in your life or something because that sounded <laughs> word for word from uh, a conservative's mouth. Yeah. You know what? I think that's fair to look at the damage and to see that initial damage of the protests. And that's all you can see because I think Fox news, that's really all they're presenting. Uh, you know, Trump uses this um, phrase that this is Biden's America and this is going to continue. If this is Biden's America, but this is actually Trump's America. You know, these, uh, the, the damages that have come about and the looting and all those kind of pieces are a, they're not, the cause, right? That is a result of a root problem. So I think when we put too much focus on that sort of damage and the violence, that we're not looking at the whole picture. Um, what is it? Ninety-three percent of all of the protests mm-hmm. were peaceful, or even more. Yeah. I don't know if that number. It's over ninety percent. I know that. And so if you look at the big picture, ninety percent of these protests, and there's so many went on in every big city, in in smaller cities, you know. Everywhere this summer, they were happening. And over 90% of those were peaceful. But for some reason, we keep refocusing to the damage. I think that that is our our perspective. And that's our viewpoint. And we're looking for ways to criticize. And I, and yeah. I think that has to go back with racism. And, you know, again, it's back to what, you know, you mentioned earlier, exposure. So, again, I know that when you turn on Fox News, the those protests they look so scary and so i'm trying to come from a place of understanding for that that if that was all i was seeing and that was the kind of information that was feeding into me um i would be scared and i would be afraid and i wouldn't quite understand why but the reality is that's not what those protests look like and Mm -hmm. there's lots of really great things that that movement is doing and even more than that I mean, I'm a, I'm a white person, right? I'm a white. I have lots of white privilege. And so I can't come from a place of judgment when it comes to how a person of color responds to their oppression. All I can do is sit back and listen. And so I think mm-hmm. people that are criticizing it, again, probably don't have the right information or not looking at that whole picture. But again, is it even your place to criticize? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I once again don't want to sound privileged in, in saying this, but my thought on on that and like writing and, and all of that, first of all, is you're focusing on the negative part. So once again, you said like 90, 93% were peaceful protests, but we're choosing to pick apart the bad side of what was happening, or I guess you want to say bad, but yeah, we can't make a decision for how they want to react to their narrative um, and the things that are happening. But if you're so concerned with riots and looting, and all of that, instead of criticizing that and building probably more racism or more negativity, mm-hmm. um, ask right. why. Why is that happening? Because to me, and like I'm just going to say it this way because I feel like this is how Republicans or Trump supporters need to hear it. If you want them to stop, I'm putting quotations, you can't yeah. see it. If you want them to stop rioting and looting, maybe solve the issues that they have and why they're doing it and then maybe they (laughs) will stop rioting and looting. it's not really about them just being destructive and wanting to destroy their communities it's about people wanting change and we've had this conversation also Mm -hmm. before but our democracy our country is built on standing up to our government when it's not doing absolutely so protesting is our right 
or a right of an American citizen. So if they're doing that and people aren't happy with rioting, consider why and consider making a change to reflect that. Yeah, absolutely. We glorify, you know, the Boston Tea Party, you know, that was a lot of money down the uh, down the drain. Uh, you know, we damaged a lot of things for another person um, and that damaged the economy. But we look at that and we look back on it as this really influential part of our history. And, you know, protests for um, women's uh, right to vote, uh, going back to the civil uh, rights movement in the 60s. You know, not all of those were, quote unquote, peaceful, but we look back at that as really great progressive moments because that is the reality. You know, when people protest their government for um, with the intent of better change, that is a good thing. And that is the most American, most patriotic thing you can do. And I'd also, you know, if you're taking a look at police brutality and then you're looking at the result of damaged goods and damaged businesses and damaged materials, at the end of the day, it's all materials versus on the other end, it's black lives. Like, why are we not talking more about how the black life matters more than the lamps that got stolen at that target, you know? Right. Exactly. It's like that riles you up, but not the actual human and life. I do understand state. where they're coming from when it, we, I guess when you're talking about businesses, small businesses, and this idea of like the ma and pa shop and like a family having to close up because of damages, which I would question if that even is the case. Like there's insurances, there's different policies, but I don't own a business. So I'm not quite sure all the procedures there, but let's say someone had to close up shop because of the damages that were caused of a protest. Wow, that is awful. And that is so sad. But that also goes back to the state of the economy that we're in because of the president that we have. And I think that Mm -hmm. there's certain things that we could implement to help those people. And I want to help those people. I don't want anybody to lose their business. But I don't think that we're going about it the right way. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, And I agree with that. And so I guess kind of moving on to my next devil's advocate thing, because you brought up like economy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Trump's economy is the greatest economy like we've had ever in American history. Um, Our unemployment is the lowest, was the lowest it's ever been, apparently. Um, And he's talked to world leaders and made peace with North Korea and Russia. Um, He's so great for our economy. Of course, I'm going to vote him back in. He's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. <laughs> Ooh, I, need to, no yeah, sarcasm. I need to take uh, a deep breath because you know what? I'm going to try and make this something positive. So one thing that I will admit about Trump and the Trump campaign is, wow, do they really do they really have a good spin on spin, (laughs) you know, on this idea of taking something and completely presenting absolute misinformation. um, And it's seen as truth. And that tactic is so, you know, based in fascism, honestly, and this idea of fake news so that no one fact checks what you're saying so that you can go on and say, yeah, absolute false. The lowest unemployment rate is not under Trump's administration. It, I think it was like the Trump's administration is like the fourth. So it's not even top three. <laughs> um, you know, the lowest unemployment was actually like 1929. Um, and goodness, I'm getting so heated thinking about it. So if you look, I want to give some like resources because I think sometimes I can be really biased. But if you go on um, to what is the one I have here, the Joint Joint Economy Committee, there's information on how under every Democratic president versus Republican, uh, the economy does better under Democrats. Um, There is more growth, faster job growth. The stock market does better. You know, the stock market has never been more inconsistent 
and like in flux than under Trump. You know, people use that as a measure of how well the economy is doing. And I don't know if it necessarily is the best, but the Dow dropped faster and like more uh, or quicker than it ever has before, like under Trump. So I would really argue that he is not good for the economy. And you look at uh, Biden when he was VP, uh, the stock market was like four times higher than Trump has ever been. And particularly now, the employment rate is so low. And yes, you can say, oh, that's, you know, that's COVID. That's not Trump. Well, the reason COVID is so bad is because of Trump. You know, his choices influenced the economy to where it's at. The devastation that we're seeing right now is just unprecedented. And lots of educational journals out there are saying um, time and time again, that if we reelect Trump, the economic regrowth is just not going to happen. You know, they keep talking about this V-shaped growth and it's like, okay, give us some examples of how you're going to make that happen. They don't have a plan at all of how to make that happen. But Biden, if you go to his campaign website, there's actual specific ways that he plans to improve the economy and actual economists who that's their actual job have said that he will be better to help us with kind of a U-shaped regaining of the economy going forward. And to have like an unbiased response too, because I know some people are going to be like, you can't blame Trump for coronavirus. Like that was China. (laughs) Yeah. Unpredictable, like whatever, or whatever, or even just being like, oh, like we can't, you know, we couldn't stop the virus. But I think you spoke to it a little bit, but the reason it, our economy is so bad and things are happening and it's Trump's fault is because of the way he handled the coronavirus, the way that he fired a pandemic force for task force to handle a pandemic the way he denounced it and was like, oh, it's not a big deal. I have amazing doctors because I'm yeah. rich AF. I'm fine. That's that's the problem. It's not necessarily coronavirus, coronavirus itself because obviously that is a viral disease that's going to spread. But the way you can handle it and contain the virus, other countries are right. back open. Like, I thought we're the best in the world. Like, why? Why, why, why aren't we open? Question mark. Yeah, exactly. Question mark. <laughs> if we... So... I just want to speak to that, too, because I know people are that might be listening that are on Trump's side or, you know, more Republican might be saying you can't blame him. Um, and you're somewhat yeah. right in, in the idea of how a disease spreads. Um, but the administration that is in place and not believing doctors and scientists. Right. That's absolutely. You know, I wish we could get behind the president in uh, in a concern like this. Normally, when something like this catastrophic happens to our country, uh, the presidential approval rating goes up because we are kind of pulled together. And it's like Americans first, you know, Americans matter. But he has made uh, something that should have brought us together, that should have been about just keeping all Americans healthy. He's made it a partisan issue. You know, he Mm -hmm. has made it about, you know, if you wear a mask, you're weak. All those kind of people, you know, he didn't listen to scientists and he continues to call it this Chinese virus, which is (laughs) super inappropriate. But and then saying that because he closed off, you know, our borders to China, that that was the saving grace. And he did that before anybody told him to. Well, Mr. President, you knew about this virus well before it came here and you downplayed it in order to keep us calm. And yes, you closed the borders, but you didn't do anything else. And you keep on coming back to it as if it really made a difference. And, you you know, you keep on criticizing Joe Biden for saying that uh, you're xenophobic for it. And he didn't say that um, Trump was xenophobic for closing the borders. He was talking about something else because Trump is uh, objectively xenophobic for other issues, you know, and you're right that that we had this play by play of how to deal with a virus and how to deal with a pandemic. And he didn't, um, he threw it out. It's so frustrating because this should have been a time where we should have been caring for our neighbor and going back to that kind of idea of toxic individualism. I think that he is the reason for it. I think that he brings it out in people. And I think that he's continues to reinforce that for, um, 
for Republicans and or I should say his fan base, because I do think that there's lots of Republicans out there that don't yeah. necessarily agree with Trump anymore. Yeah, and I, I can reiterate that, too, because we're not trying to bash this, but I think it's an important topic with the election coming up. But I really do believe there's a difference between Republicans, true Republicans and um, right. Trump supporters. <laughs> Um, cause I've even had friends or like people that I know have, that have changed their minds and that have either they voted for Trump in the first election. Um, and they're like, I would absolutely right. not vote for him now, or they have changed their mind about it. And, in you know, I don't know, I guess who they're voting for, but I have heard that rhetoric come back. So, yeah. And I think here's, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but like as much as like the next person, like I have some skepticisms like about government and like. <laughs> you know, weird things have come out. Yeah. Like, are aliens real? I don't know. But it's like, at what point I'm always like wondering is like, did we stop believing like scientists? Like, didn't we appoint the CDC? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But like, when do we stop believing that? Like, I, I get being a little bit skeptical about certain things. But when were we saying like, oh, there's a viral disease coming or there is a viral disease? And we're like, yeah, right. It's a hoax. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where did that come what? from? Where did this mistrust of um, the people come from? And I think, uh, I think that does come from this idea of fake news and those kind of pieces that keep on getting repeated um, from the Trump administration. Uh, you look back to other dictatorships, and when they come to rise, those are similar patterns you know, don't trust the scientists, don't trust the professionals in this area. And, you know, I'm frustrated, not just with uh, coronavirus, but also with our climate change, you know, um, our climate is changing, you know, and our environment Mm -hmm. is one of probably the foremost important issue for me, actually, when it comes to voting. And, You've got people that continue to say that climate change isn't real, that we don't need to listen to the scientists, that we don't really need to um, to act now, that that will cause economic destruction, which is false. You know, you can. Yeah, it blows my mind (laughs) because I think about it. Maybe I can help some people that don't believe in it. Um, Maybe this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to try. So I think of it as like. Let's think your house, you buy a house, brand new, everything's newly built. You live in it for a hundred years and shower and repaint it and use up, but you can never, you're, let's just say you're not allowed to ever like replace anything or make updates. Your house is probably going to be in shit condition. Let's be real. So like you are really going to sit here on earth and like <laughs> use cars and do all these different chemical things. Like, and you're like, it has no impact. Oh, wow, what are you talking about? That's a beautiful analogy. I've never heard of that before. Like, I just always think of it that way. I'm like, who can it really say, like, I have no p- impact on anything? You leave an apartment complex that you rent. Yeah, there's a hole in the wall. <laughs> I, like, knocked the faucet off. Like, there's a stain in the carpet. But I'm right. like, I didn't do it. Like, it's not real. <laughs> You're just seeing it. Like, I just, I, that's how I put it in my <laughs> head or I try to put it to other people because I just feel like we can drop the science, drop the politics, and just be like, does that even actually make sense, what you're saying? That the climate is not changing. The earth is known to have ice ages every 400 years. That's a change. And yeah, right. that's just my, my yeah, theory. Yeah, and it. you know, it's really sad to me that that people still fall into that trap. But I think it does go back to um, kind of my, I, I, if I had one main point today, it would be that education really is key. Uh, that increasing education helps with a lot of social problems and uh, helping increase education and the access to that helps change viewpoints. So people who don't believe in climate change, people who think that Corona is a hoax, I think more often than not, it's because they haven't been presented with the right education that, you know, our public school um, system failed them quite a bit. They didn't have secondary education, you know, all those kind of pieces. And so if we can make sure that they're, is more information that's being delivered, you know, that you are looking at different um, news sources, that we are having these conversations right now, that hopefully maybe one person who doesn't view everything the way that we do, uh, maybe they'll listen and maybe they'll look into some more information. You know, that's kind of um, my hope, I guess, is that 
there is a chance for hope and there's a chance for place for people to learn. Yeah. And we, we can share, like, I'll get some sources from you that like we've talked about today and and I can share those either in like a word doc or like on Instagram. I don't know. We'll share some sources to back up what we talked about. Um, But I agree with that. And I agree. I think that the most important thing we have to take away because what I've seen, um, maybe it's happened in other elections, but especially in this election is just defensiveness. And it's like breaking up friends and family. And I do think there's a lot at stake and that's totally okay. But instead of being defensive, I think from both sides, um, we need to have these kinds of conversations and it needs to be open. And we really need to think about what we value and I don't know what's at stake because I think human rights and this election, once again, are very important. Um, And I've never been more involved in politics ever than like the past few months and deciding to educate myself and read books and look things up and once again, have these conversations. But I think we really need to get off our high horses of thinking we have everything figured out um, and be be okay with not knowing all the answers or changing our minds because I think at least I've noticed it even in my personal life that people have been so defensive of views that they they don't realize the anger pain and like divide I guess is the best word that it's causing um and you'd be you know instead of just saying oh we need to agree to disagree on things maybe you can just have calm conversations um that are way more beneficial and more focused on educating than picking a side. Every conversation doesn't have to be about, well, Biden did this. Well, Trump did this. Like, let's talk about policy. Let's talk about values. Let's talk about America. Like, what do we really want for people? And I think we need to stop talking so much about candidates. Um, Obviously, that's an important piece. But I I just think personally, like policy and, and really understanding what's at stake is more important than just being like, oh, you like Trump? Well, Biden does this, like, or like vice versa. Um, I just don't think that's productive. Um, And you're, you're not going to help your, your relationships, whether it's family or friends. Yeah. By doing that or being defensive. Um, You know, there is all this, like, what are they, what's the term? Is it like mudslinging or whatever? When, um, especially that first presidential uh, debate. And I feel like that is, a perfect example of everything right now. It is so divided. Our country is so divided. Uh, and like you said, people at their own uh, family tables, eating dinner, you know, they're so divided there. And we've never been in a place like this, or at least I never noticed it. Uh, but if there's one good thing, I, I do think it has made people more politically engaged and more interested in learning. And that, you know, like you said, this is the Definitely. most you've ever been. And I think you're not alone in that. I think a lot of people are. And I hope that that leads to change. You know, I hope that means that there's going to be a huge voting turnout. I hope that all these kind of th- current things right now that people are trying to put in place to block voting, you know, all the problems with mail. Um, I just saw something that with like Wisconsin, that all of the mail-in ballots that are postmarked um, before the election but get in after the election date aren't going to be counted and all those kind of pieces that are where some procedures are trying to make it harder for people to vote. I hope that doesn't stop us. I hope that they're, mm-hmm. I hope that voices are heard. Definitely. And I think, too, my advice to anybody who, like, just, like, last note, because, I, like I said, I've experienced it, too. But if you're having trouble to agree to disagree with people or having those conversations, um, I think it's important to um, – maybe I'm losing my train I really of go off tangents, too. It's okay. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm, like, trying to say that, like, I know it can be a lot of stress, but just realize that by, by being politically engaged um, – and leading by example is probably more influential than you know. Um, and I think it's safe to engage in conversations that you have valid um, facts or valid points. So, you know, if somebody brings up some, this is my at least take on it. So do what you will with it. But I know I try not to convince certain people in my life to change their mind because I know they're not going to. 
But if something's said to do with human rights, racism, LGBTQ, women's rights, I'm going to say something. Um, and I'm going to, you know, be respectful, have facts and, and be able to back it up. But I think it does save a lot of mental stress and, and worry because unfortunately we can't change everybody's mind. And I just think the best way to deal with that is by leading by, uh, yeah, leading by example, or just focusing on yourself and being an advocate. Um, because I think that's the best thing we can do and in hopes that that inspires others to, yeah, to do the same or educate themselves. So I guess before we wrap it up, so voting is November 3rd. Um, if you haven't done a mail-in ballot, make sure you do you it can... in person now, probably. Um, Caitlin, do you have any information <laughs> on that too? You know uh, better than me. <laughs> so yeah, it is too late to do your mail-in ballot now, in, at least in Michigan. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's kind of how it is everywhere right now. But there are drop boxes, like just about everywhere. Um, so all you need to do is go to like voting.gov or, you know, like rock the vote or like there's all these different kind of voting resources that I'm sure Alyssa, you'll kind of make accessible or you actually already have on your page. But uh, yeah, so you just need to go and drop off your ballot there. Or you can go to your um, city clerk's office and you can vote in person there's um that's how I actually did it and it was super fast nobody was in line I went in you know I was in a room basically by myself so it was very you know COVID friendly and I got to you know mail right in person or vote right in person early I think that there's going to be lots of uh tension at the polls um on the actual polling day um on an actual election day so I would recommend voting early um, if you can. And, yeah. you know, there's all this kind of fear yeah. tactics of, um, you know, Trump asked his fan base to, to watch people at the polls and make sure that there's no like voting fraud and those kind of pieces. So all those kind of fear tactics, I think, do create hostility and do create that tension. Uh, Michigan just allowed that like the open carry isn't going to be banned for election day. So people can carry their guns at the polls. And I don't say this to scare people. I just mean like to be prepared. Uh, you have to wear your mask and you have to wear PPE. But unfortunately, if someone's like not wearing a mask, they get to be like escorted to the front. So like people are going to do that. Like there's going to be, I just worry about all these kind of different pieces. So not saying don't go vote. That's definitely not what I'm saying. I'm saying, please, 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 please vote. But do it. Yeah. This is, yeah. Even more reason all this to vote. sort of hostility, like, this is so unprecedented. There shouldn't be where we're, you know, you joked about conspiracy theorists. I joke that 2020 has turned me into one because I feel like there is going to be, like, some sort of civil war. And that's not what we want. You know, Biden's whole campaign is, or his main slogan is fighting for this, the soul of this country. And you know, so we need to vote so that we still have a soul. <laughs> That's so sad to say. But vote early. Um, if you have uh, a I disability, um, you can go to the ACLU website. Um, and they have different kind of descriptions of what you may need. I know that I'm very, like, able-bodied, very privileged. Um, I'm an English speaker, so I know that that can make it hard. But if you, um, if you don't speak English, uh, you are... Um, you have the right to an interpreter um, of some sort at the time. Um, that's also on the ACLU website, I believe. And so there's different resources for you. You are able to vote. Yes. And I used to be a person, once again, that, I mean, I will admit I didn't vote in the last election, but that was because I actually messed up my absentee ballot. And then I was like still registered in my hometown. Not an excuse, but once again, I have definitely changed my perspective for this election and I've tried to educate myself. So if you're someone who is just getting into it, you don't know who's on your ballot. Um, I have shared it before, but I'll be sure to share like a list of the things we've discussed. Um, it's Vote Save America and you can plan your ballot because there is more voting than just presidents. Um, you also have local and state elections for representatives. Um, so if you <laughs> don't know who's on your ballot, like I did like a week ago, then you can go check and make a plan for that as well. So just get out and vote. It's, it is really important. I know 
the electoral college but can the, be a real cock block. Yeah, but exactly. You know, we'll and there's lots of things voting. like that that um, feel like they're really pressing issues. I think especially with the confirmation of Amy Cohen Barrett right now, I feel like a lot of just like basic rights are just so on the chopping block. And so if you really feel like your vote doesn't matter, I want to tell you that 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 is their intention to make you feel that way. And when I say they, I mean mm-hmm. the Trump administration. They want people to feel like there's no point because if you don't vote, then they get they get another four years. But if you, you know, if you're as fired up as we are, or even yep. just mildly, <laughs> please, please, please go vote. Your voice really does matter. And some people might disagree with me on this, but there are other candidates. There is um, a libertarian and there is a green party. So even if you don't know, you don't want Trump, you don't want Biden, there are other options. I don't know how much of an impact it will make given how our voting system is, but I think it still is important to exercise that right. Um, So look into other candidates if you really feel like you're just not going to vote. And, you know, who knows, there could be an underdog. I don't know. But I just think it is important to do that. And you are allowed to vote for whoever. So I know on this this episode, we're talking a lot more probably from a Democratic standpoint. Um, but you that is your right to vote and you should vote for whoever you support the most. We might hope secretly that <laughs> Even it's though not I Trump. Basically but flat out said that. I'm very that. sorry. <laughs> if you are a Republican and you've made it this far into this conversation, I would just really like to thank you for your time. I, I want to thank everybody for their time, but especially people who don't. <laughs> Um, agree with me. I know that I can get really frustrated when I'm listening to people that I don't agree with. And that sort of like cognitive dissonance of where if they don't agree with you, you automatically think that they're wrong. And I fall into that trap all the time um, myself. And so I need to work on that. But if you are someone who has stayed open to this conversation, um, I really applaud you. Yeah. And I think it is important to have these conversations, like from both, both sides. So you know, if you, it's not wrong to be Republican, it's not wrong to be Democratic. I just think it's important to talk about it and communicate and educate ourselves. So I guess that's the whole episode really is just educate yourselves, communicate and have conversations. I know, you know, we joke, settle for (laughs) Biden. Like I'm not, I voted for Bernie in the primaries. Like I'm not super jazzed about Biden either. So I can understand people are like, well, why would I go out and vote for him if I'm not even that excited about him as a candidate. But there are plenty of reasons why, again, going back to the fact that we're so um, at a stalemate and so at odds with each other. And I do think that um, a wave of blue would bring people together. Um, Again, the economy will probably recover better. That's what research is showing us. Um, Environment, um, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, like there's so many just basic things that even though you may not be super excited about Biden, you just be super excited about our country and democracy. And, um, you know, reach out to Alyssa if you have any more questions, I think. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing to focus on for this election, and, and I guess whatever this means to you, but I think we should move from toxic individualism to thinking about, you know, our communities and who really is going to be affected by this election? Because maybe you're choosing thinking like, well, this is about me. I'm going to, you know, I don't want this done to my taxes or whatever you're picking. Try to think about the marginalized communities or those who will be truly impacted by this election and what's truly going to uplift your communities, Um, even your hometown or your state or whatever it means to you. But I think we should put that at the forefront of our minds Instead or of even, you know, so selfish. Uh, if you want to <laughs> learn more of how, you know, lifting up communities and lifting up the people around you actually benefits your own economy, like, um, please look into that because that is definitely the case. You know, I think we have gotten into this misconstrued idea that, you know, tax cuts for myself work for, you know, work for you in the end. But, um, you know, having clean water for everybody and having housing and having health care, all those kind of things. Yeah, that's initial money that we put in. Uh, and, but all of that comes back and it saves you money in the long term. So if you want to vote selfishly, um, I still think that that's actually a liberal viewpoint. Sorry, last little plug. I could go on forever. I'm so sorry. 
No, that's okay. You know, I'll share resources, like I said, and, and we'll, um, yeah, share about it. But I guess my, my thing was just, you know, yeah, it was hinting at well, that, you're such but like, a, let's vote you're such for a beautiful what's really going to benefit our um, Alyssa, and this idea that you do really care about people. And so I know that you were, um, that that's always your intention to try it and help people get there as well. Well, thank you. I'm do my best. And I just want everybody to, to be empowered to make their own decisions, no matter what it, yeah. what is that? And I think that QIM does a really nice job of giving a platform for that. So I really applaud uh, what you do here. And I really appreciate you having me um, on today. This is my first podcast. I was so nervous, but I had a fun time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for being on. Maybe (laughs) we'll have to do like a wrap up if the civil war (laughs) starts and then I catch up. No, hopefully not. No, I'm just kidding. So, but no, thank you for being on today. I appreciated it. And I know everybody will appreciate your viewpoints. And I think it was a great conversation. So thank you.